Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I am Josh Horowitz, your fearless host. That's a lie. I have a great number of fears, but not about the podcast. The podcast is a safe place for me and for you, dear listener, because this is where I talk to awesome actors, filmmakers, writers, comedians, you name it. They've been on the show. They'll be on the show. And that includes this week's guest, the great Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah, of course, star of so many awesome comedies, um, dramedies. I don't know. What do, you, what do you categorize Juno as except a great film? Juno, super bad. This is the end. Uh, so much great stuff. And he's now kind of shifting in his career a little bit. He's living in New York. Gotta love that. He's making his Broadway debut. He's well into this run on Broadway uh, that you guys should check out. If you're in the the New York area and you want to see a great play, This Is Our Youth is definitely worth your time. I know it's costly to go see Broadway productions, but um, three actors in this play, um, Michael Cera... Is it's, it takes place in the '80s. It's about kind of disaffected youth. It's th- it's uh, written by a great playwright uh, by the name of uh, Kenneth Lonergan. Uh, it's gotten great reviews, and it's uh, a limited run. So if you get out here in the next couple months, make sure to check it out because um, it's a special one, and it's cool to see Michael kind of flexing his dramatic muscles. It still has some comedic elements to it, but it's a little bit different. Um, as is Michael, I should say. He's kind of grown up a little bit before all of our eyes, I think. Um, you know, I've been talking to him the last, you know, since I came to MTV. I came to MTV about eight years ago, and I've been talking to him virtually that entire time and kind of kind of got on a really cool vantage point on his growth um, as an actor and trying new things. And uh, he's clearly... Um, you know, charting his own path. He's not necessarily going for the obvious choices. He could be making studio comedies until the end of time, but that's not necessarily what interests him. What interests him are these personal projects, these smaller things, these smaller films he's doing now. He's releasing his own music. We talk about that. Um, he seems super comfortable in his own skin, which is great, and I'm very happy for him. And it's uh, it's always, always a treat to talk to him because he's a good guy, interesting guy, and definitely not your cookie-cutter version of an actor in Hollywood. So uh, I guess without any further ado, I'm going to toss it off to this interview. One small note on the audio. I know our friends at Wolf Pop are going to do their best with the audio on this one. No fault of theirs, but I had a little audio glitch in recording this one. Basically, I started to record it on my amazing device, (laughs) and it failed. It just crashed and burned. We restarted, failed again. Luckily, I had a backup going, but it was a backup phone basically a great phone a nice recording device on it so it actually sounds decent but it's not quite up to the standards i think of every other podcast that we do on this one so apologies for that that's that's on me not the wolf pop guys it will not happen again but don't worry audio is great you're gonna enjoy this conversation you'll feel like you're in the room there with just me and michael sarah here it is guys Welcome back to my office. Thank for you. those that are listening now, the first three minutes of gold between myself and Mr. Michael Sarah were lost, we lost forever. Actually. No, I wasn't. You weren't in the zone. Yet. No, not yet. Okay, well, here, here's where we're going to start. You're, you're, in, you're in this. You're in this great play uh, revival. This is our youth, Kenny Lonergan on Broadway. This is a big moment. As we're taping this, you're like what, like two hours from the show? Yeah, that's like I. I always, whenever I talk to people that are like doing a performance like that, I just feel like you should be literally in like a hyperbolic chamber all day long and then yeah. just be released 
10 minutes before the show. Like, are you... Yeah, it's weird. Like, wh what's your strategy to, like, kind of get ready for the show? Are you... Man, at this point, I don't know. We've been doing it, you know, since June. So it really has become so normalized. I mean, to me, the... The only like thing that feels like a job now is just kind of getting there, you know, traveling, <laughs> getting dressed, and then yeah, just idling until you go out. And right. then once you go out, it just kind of happens. But it's wild. So uh, what we were talking about before when you sat down was that weird moment of so you're on stage and you've been doing this a while. You've been doing this since the early oh, yeah. summer, yeah. Uh, and it's been in your head. The, the, the show's been floating around for a couple years. So like you do have these kind of out of body moments when you're on the yeah. stage where you're like realize when you're out seeing of moment, it moments. You know, where you, yeah. Um, I mean, you try not to because, uh, you know, you, I, I, it's very possible that I could, like, lose my train of thought for a second and then just not have any idea where we are. Right. So you kind of have to stay with it. But, no, I have the weird moment that I had just a few nights ago was, you know, there's a few things that are, like, significant moments in the play and that are obvious. And, you know, you I don't know, when I think of the play and what we do every night, those occur to me. Right. And I have a real sense that we do those every night and say those phrases every night. But there are some moments, these like little kind of punctuating, you know, yeah. conversations that bind it, where it sometimes is strange in that moment to think, wow, we do this every night. This yeah. is something I do every night. I don't it, really have that feeling. Is it dangerous? Because I've watched you guys, like you and Tavi and Kieran kind of do interviews together, and you clearly have like a, a close relationship after doing this for a while. And like... And I feel like you kind of fuck with your, each other during interviews a little bit. Do you do, can you do the same on stage, or is that dangerous to try and... Not uh, in a sabotaging way. That right. might not go well. But, um, <laughs> I mean, if it's done, you know, if it's done with a good intention, like, I don't know, trying to keep it alive or trying to keep so it fresh. So do you do that? Do you do something where you slightly change a line or something just to kind of, like, see what... Um, no, you don't. we don't change lines. Okay. You know, that's kind of strictly forbidden. Can you want to react well to that? Yeah, it's just not. Yeah, and that. I, I mean, it's then. Where are you? You know, the next right. person has it has to justify. Yeah, right. The right, next right. line. So, but um, I don't know. Sometimes I don't even know if it's for my sake or whatever. But you know, Kieran will throw a lot of stuff. Kieran's very awake and alive on stage, and he'll yeah. he'll change things up. Or sometimes things malfunction. <laughs> You know, we throw the football around and, like, knock stuff over. Right. And sometimes the stuff, like, doesn't... You don't hit it or the timing is wrong. Right. The other day... Okay, so I throw a football at the blinds and then the blinds go down. Right. This might have been the show that you saw, actually. You yeah. saw the afternoon I saw Saturday show. afternoon, yeah, yeah. Did the blinds fall when I hit the football with it? Yeah. That might have been... Okay, well, one of the... They, they're not supposed to? I mean, no, you're they saying are. they... Okay, got they it. They are. And, so, and then one day they just didn't. And then it's just kind of this dead moment because that's supposed to lead into the next moment where Kieran goes, what's wrong with you? And he picks up the ball and throws it at me and then he hits a shelf and the shelf falls. Right. So then he picked it up, threw it at the shelf and the shelf didn't <laughs> because everyone backstage was like, the blinds didn't fall apart. and then they missed the second moment. So what did you do? Like, so then just, we, you know, we're just standing there. Well, what happened? Did you just like knock into it again? Like, actually, Kieran caught the ball by okay. some weird mirror. Like he threw it at the shelf, it bounced back into his hands and then didn't fall. So then his instinct was to turn and throw the ball at me as hard as he could <laughs> he threw the ball it hit me and then the shelf fell and then we just kept going you know but then we just moved on is that do you count that as a good day like uh, at least something different happened today yeah, this is like fine. it was fine I mean if, it, if something like that goes wrong you, it's kind of not that tragic when you do the show every right you just kind of like you accept the yeah the failures so like where are you at now Ada? because you're kind of Home stretch maybe is too strong a word right now because you've still got what, like a month or two left. Two, but it does feel like the home stretch weirdly. So is is it 
like I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people here and included who's done runs of different lengths of like keeping it alive and fresh because you don't want to just kind of go on totally on autopilot. No, you want to keep it fresh and do that. Yeah, what's the key? Yeah, what is the? Is there a secret sauce that you figured out how to? I don't know, man. I mean, I think the best thing. Most of the scenes in this play are two-person scenes, one-on-one scenes, except for a little moment between the three of us, but. so that you really depend on the other person to be there with you know to be present with you and yeah. reactive and finding something new with you and reacting to what you're doing and that's the only way to keep it alive really because the play never changes you know is it is it nice to have to because for a significant amount of your career you've probably been the youngest person on set Tavi is by a good stretch yeah is it, is it weird to kind of like was she 17 or 18 I she's mean, 18 she, yeah it's crazy yeah I mean well we're all not it, we're all kind of in the same None of us have ever done a show on this scale yeah. or for this amount of time. We're all so green, you know, in a way. And um, finding it together. And Tavi doesn't, I mean, she, I don't know, you, we don't, you don't feel the age difference that mm-hmm. much. I mean, I don't know. Do you, do, you ever, do you ever, like, see people in the audience? Like, can you see anybody out there? Oh, uh, yeah, sometimes. There's a moment where I go and, like, lean up on the back wall while Kieran's kind of having a freak out, and I kind of have this moment where I can look out at the audience and just get a sense of right. the volume of people and if they're enjoying it or not. Do you ever, have you ever recognized a friend or someone in not, the audience? No, during the curtain call sometimes you'll, you'll see people, but I, right. I, I don't normally like hone in right. that specifically on Because I've, I've talked to different people where it's like they want to know or don't want to know. Like, is it good, yeah. Do you want to know if like a buddy is in the audience or is that going to freak you no, out? Actually, no. I, I, it wouldn't be such a big deal if I knew, but I would be aware of it. Yeah. And... Maybe that's okay, though, to be aware. Yeah. I don't know if it hurts anything, but I kind of prefer not to. I don't know. Do, do you think this, the, the repetition, the nature of the material, all of it is kind of like, I mean, do you, are, do you think you're going to look back at this kind of like year, the six months as like, okay, I, I learned some new tricks. I knew, I knew I, I kind of went to a different kind of level. I, I pushed uh, myself in a different area. I think um, you learn something. I mean, on, probably on an unconscious level, though, but I think you, you learn some... Uh, even if it's just becoming less conscious of yourself, you know, yeah. becoming kind of that normalizing, like being on, on stage in front of people and working in front of people and like the existentialism of that melting away. Like when you have a bad show at first, you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe people are seeing this. <laughs> you know, And then we just kind of take the good with the bad yeah. at, at a certain point. And it, uh, it's an exercise in, you know, Letting things die. Yeah. Do you, uh, as opposed to films or whatever, I don't know if there's a different like strategy. Did you read reviews when it opened? Like, do, do you do that for no, film I versus think theater? That's a bad idea. I don't tr- do it anymore at all because mm-hmm. it's it, the only thing it'll do to me is destroy my sense of self. <laughs> is that all? Which is <laughs> already harmful when you're trying to make a living presenting yourself to people. Right. It's hard. <laughs> Do you remember that? Was that like a shift early on when you st- when you were reading stuff and you were like, "This yeah. is this is gonna kill me if I keep yeah, doing this." Yeah, I think it's kind of obvious. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever read anything? About oh, it? I hate it. It's the worst. It hurts. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to do it anymore. So you stop. <laughs> Actually, Edgar Wright told me something really smart, which was like, whenever he's feeling bad about himself, or if he, he like reads something bad about himself, he goes to the IMDb page of like raising a Arizona movie, or yeah, something. Exactly. And we're like, this is the worst piece of shit. That's where. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, so right. I mean, good. Of company. course, people are constantly just flinging shit around. It's the nature of the sad beast it's that is life. the interweb. Yeah, that's the world. So it is. 
well, we talked about this a little bit before, but like, okay, well, growing up was, did you have much theatrical experience? Did you do any live theater at all? Like, Oh, no, no. I never did that, actually. And was, was it something that, I mean, was it something kind of scary as a proposition, or was it something like, okay, that could be cool one day to no. do? Yeah, I didn't think it, was, it would be scary, because, um, I mean, there's the obvious, like, fear of performing in front of people, but that's just such a kind of an ambiguous fear. I mean, what takes the ambiguity of it away is the material you know I mean you focus you know, on, I read yeah. the play and I was like oh we'd be doing this you know and and it's exciting when it's a good piece when it's good characters yeah. and it's a good piece of material and you know you'll have a good team you have, you have to have faith in yeah. it coming together and you doing your part and everyone else doing their part yeah and it's great it's like fun you know it's doing something with other people yeah building something and and as you say the building block you've got the right building blocks because you've got yeah. Kenny's material which if you is, have a great script I mean a great play then yeah it can only be so bad. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. <laughs> How much can I really fuck it up? Yeah. <laughs> as long as the story is told, then even on our worst nights, I think as long as the story comes across, yeah. it, I, I think it has to land on some level because he's just so full of feel, feeling in yeah. his writing. He, he really can hit these chords and be yeah, me. Well, so what, what was Resident first read of this, this play? What, what hit you? Um, well, actually, I'd not been, I was not familiar with any of Kenny's writing before reading this. Yeah. So Kieran gave me this play, and then I read it and thought, wow, that's, he's a beautiful writer. And, I mean, the dialogue and the humor, and um, but the story, I don't know, he always d manages to do something in the last ten seconds of his writing, whether it's a movie or a play, yeah. where something explodes in you, and you don't even know what it was. It's like this really stealthy attack on... At your heart, it goes yeah. right to your heart, and just pulls on you. Even if it's not something you personally are relating to, right. you just feel it, and you feel how much respect he has for his characters and how well he knows them. And I just get a feeling of appreciation reading his work. I mean, there's that's that's I think my favorite feeling when I'm watching something or reading something is this feeling of appreciation that right. happens. And it kind of is something that's happening in me and happening because of the writer, and that feeling is something that I find overwhelming. Yeah. And he does that so beautifully. He gives that to you. Are, are these kind of characters, obviously the specificity maybe isn't familiar to you. You grew up with a much different kind of existence than these guys. It takes place in the early 80s, Upper West Side. York, yeah. Um, but still something familiar about these kinds of no, people? No, no. I mean, not at all. I, I mean, traits, some kind of characteristics of, yeah. of the two guys are, you know, I can see elements of that in people I grew up with yeah. or people I know or people I know now I mean you know little things because they're so human the characters yeah. because they all come from I think real friends of Kenny and a lot of the conversations in this play I'm pretty sure are verbatim yeah. from you know when he was a kid um, and he knows those guys so well and he feels for them yeah He's, he's, a, he's a bit older than I am, but I, I was an Upper West Side kid oh, really? in the early 80s. Really? So there are, there's that added level. And what was, I mean, what's familiar about the world to you? Is there the drug thing? No, I mean, I... You weren't involved in No, I, I truly somehow, like, had no yeah. relation. In, I was it wasn't kind even of, on your radar? It, not even on yeah. the radar. Like, such, like, a social outcast that, like, I, like if, there, if I wanted the drugs, I wouldn't even know who to look to or no. who to talk to. Right. But I don't know. There's some, it's, it's kind of a... It's an intangible that 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 comes across, not right. really the the specificity of the situations, just the way things are phrased, and just yeah. the feeling, yeah, which is cool and familiar yeah. and fun. Um, it, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think it's just such a profound 
thing for Kenny that yeah. period of his life like childhood and growing up that it's so deep in his psyche and yeah. means so, that he can render it so amazingly yeah and even just talking to him I mean he's, he has a million stories about these guys and they're so vivid and they're so full of feeling and you're there with it and it, you can see that it's still so present in his right heart all this stuff you you asked me about drugs I'm curious just because like you didn't have the typical kind of obviously you didn't go through like a typical high school experience or whatever so did you feel no. like you had have you been exposed to like a major kind of drug culture you no. feel like no never actually yeah actually you know I mean there's I think people doing that everywhere always probably <laughs> but yeah. not the kids I, I mean some of the guys I grew up with were <coughs> kind of doing some some of the crazy stuff but not that much. For the most part, the friends I grew up with were not doing it. They were drinking beer. Right. And, you know, that was a that lot. Was, that was that was the big craziness. We kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was like everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was really impressed by uh, Kieran, who I haven't actually... I mean, I've seen him, you know, Igby Goes Down, and some movies here and there, but he... Um, he really pops in this. He's just yeah. like he's got like I don't know. He kind of reminded me of like a like a young Joaquin Phoenix. There's something like really kind of he's like wild about animal. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean I'm I'm blown away every night by Kieran. Has he so since he played this role years ago? Yeah, is that he, weird? Is that like do you talk to him about oh, his my, interpretation? No, yeah. no. Actually, it's not weird. Um, he felt like he didn't really get his uh, mind around it. He didn't really get a grasp on the guy. Oh, interesting. And I think he had a very short run. And then we did this play two years ago in Australia, and I know what he means because I really don't feel like I even came close to kind of tapping into it. Right. In our various, we had a two-week run, and it just didn't even, like... Yeah, it was just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. I mean, with, in terms of approaching the depth of the play yeah. and kind of finding it. Yeah. In doing the Broadway thing, uh, are you supposed to like a different kind of like journalist, like the kind of interviews you've done for this one? Like, is there a different like breed of like the like the glitzy kind of like access Hollywood that kind of thing you've been yeah. exposed to for years, which I'm sure you find as silly as I do, uh, versus I don't know the Broadway community, the different, much different kind of community. Yeah. Well. Kind of both, I guess. I mean, actually, to answer your question, there's been, you know, the kind of the, the like, the on-camera, you know, I don't know, over-the-top interview stuff right. that's typical. But, um, yeah, on our opening night, we were kind of brought up to a hotel suite at the Bowery Hotel, which is where our party was, and up there we talked to, like, I don't know, a dozen um, journalists and, and, and critics. Yeah who work in print yeah. and it was so yeah it was so mellow and so human being out there and talking to people it was it's unusual. usually a word that's not associated with my profession <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> my experience it was unnerving it was weird you know it felt kind of a little too comfortable well it's always been it's like in the years I've t talked to you I've always felt like one of the things I appreciate about you and I think I, I'm sure you have an interesting perspective on on that kind of journalism and that and how movies are covered because you, you are so real and authentic and just like I feel like probably have a pretty good BS meter and that kind of like typical kind of I don't know artificiality if that's a, a word yeah well it, yeah it's like it's it's like an act I mean it's yeah. you have to kind of well I always feel controversial doing those interviews because if you don't match the energy of the person yeah <laughs> And they come in at 300%. Yeah, yes, and if you're not there with them, then you've got some kind of weird problem. <laughs> you know, or you're like, right. or you're looking down on them or something just if you're like, yeah. energy is not calibrated at the same level. 
that's always a little weird push and pull thing. Right. So we're in this weird unspoken tug of war with how humans should be communicating <laughs> about a movie. I mean, it's just a movie we're talking about. Why are we like shitting our pants? Right. <laughs> on coke and yeah, like, crazy. Did, so did you ever try to match it in any bizarre? Like, like oh, maybe I should try it. Right? I mean, you know, it's always fun when you're not doing it alone because then you kind of can cook up your own weird scenario and bizarre game. With, of, yeah, with yeah. whoever you're with. Yeah, I mean, yeah. ideally. And even just make light of the whole. I mean, you should, which you, should, you know, it's all kind of just ridiculous and funny, and should be. It shouldn't be so yeah. serious. But when you're alone, it can be really, really a train wreck. They <laughs> <I> see <laughs> you going to a dark place. Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of very strange interactions. <laughs> There's a couple of classic people. There's this one woman who who works for um, like. Telemundo. Oh, I you know the woman I'm talking about. Yes, she's like Maria, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you can't help but like just laugh and get caught up in her rhythm because she's oh, yeah. adorable. So I'll, I think she. Uh, I mean, I've never been in the room with her when she's doing interviews, but I think sometimes she does the, the questions in both Spanish and English. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, she'll like say it and then translate it. Yeah, yeah, right. But talking right. about like high energy, like it's absurd. She's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, she's like a character, like but a sketch at, character. But at least you want like, I mean, you don't want the halfway. Yeah, go if you're gonna go for yeah, it. Like just be that. And you, you can tell. <laughs> That's just her. I mean, I'm sure she's like that at family dinners. Right. <laughs> it's exhausting Thanksgiving yeah. to think about. <laughs> yeah. My God, man. Today's episode of Happy Second Fused is brought to you by Audible. Audible.com is, of course, the place for audiobooks. There are over 150,000 titles to choose from, guys, and from every category imaginable. Go over to audiblepodcast.com slash happy for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. Okay, say you're not convinced. I don't know why, but maybe you're not convinced yet. Here are a few reasons why Audible is well worth your time. First of all, unlike a streaming or rental service with Audible, you actually own your own books. Second, whether you have an iPhone or an Android or a Windows phone, there's an app for all of them, so you can access your books anytime. Plus, you're never going to lose your spot in the book because there's easy chapter navigation and annotated bookmarks. But besides all of that, all that cool stuff, what it all boils down to, of course, are the books themselves, the audiobooks themselves. Well, Audible's got everything. They've got all the bestsellers. Lena Dunham's new book, Not That Kind of Girl, is on there. You can listen to it read by Lena herself. Maybe you like another funny lady like Amy Poehler, where her bestseller, Yes, Please, is there. You can listen to Amy, uh, narrated alongside her friends, Carol Burnett and Seth Meyers and more. Or maybe you want to go old school. Maybe you want to hear a little Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, you can listen to the great Tim Curry narrate that one, which sounds amazing. Plus, they've got all like the classics. They've got you know Fahrenheit 451 or To Kill a Mockingbird, all the way up to cool new stuff like Gone Girl and Game of Thrones. So just go to audiblepodcast.com slash happy, find something for yourself in whatever genre you want, and you're going to get a free trial and free book. And if you don't like what you choose, no problem with Audible's great listen guarantee. You can exchange any book you're not happy with for another title anytime, no questions asked. So, guys, go to audiblepodcast.com slash happy today. Um, enjoying, you've shop here in New York, you've spent time in New York. Are you happy here being like, is yeah. this going to be home after the play's over? I think so. Yeah, I, I'm really happy living here now. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna stay. So what? Um, because like the perceived, you know, arc of the career of Michael Sarah, as you well know, is that like a couple years ago, or for whatever reason, you kind of felt like the track I'm on isn't necessarily the track 
that I want. Like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, do you I feel? So. I mean, did it feel like that? Like, there was a significant moment where you were like, because when I look at you, for instance, we're talking when you sat down about like Seth and Evan's new movie, or I think mm-hmm. of Jonah and like these guys you came up with. Mm-hmm. Like these guys have certainly gone in a, a kind of a different track. Yeah, and and you, so. you probably have like could have had similar opportunities to them and kind of in churning and burning on those kinds of movies that they've done. And you're no less ambitious, but the kinds of stuff you're doing is, is just is just different. I guess so. Yeah. Do I you mean, feel that way or no? Well, yeah, but we're different people. I mean, you Obviously, know, it's yeah. kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think there is a model or something. Yeah. You know, it's weird. It's a weird kind of job and I'm just always trying to make sure I'm still enjoying it and find a way to keep enjoying it and yeah, and stay in love with it. Yeah. And that can be a job of its own. Right. Do yeah. you feel, do you feel like you're like was there a point where you like the, the film kind of scripts you were getting felt like of the type that just weren't justifying you know, going after like the, the kind of comedies just felt like yeah. the same and, and just not worthy of it? Well, I really like to it's kind of unrealistic probably uh, long term, but I like to really love the things I'm working on and the people I'm working with and I'm I don't really have any major need to constantly generate uh, income right I don't have a baby or something you know? so I mean if I did I'm sure I would go and I don't know make money right to be a father but I'm not in that position right so uh, yeah I mean if I don't love something I don't I, I, I'm, I'm kind of try, I tried a few years ago to make friends with um it like being dormant, you know, which mm-hmm. can be maddening, and I think that can keep a lot of people working, and, and it's probably the opposite of a workaholic, you know. Right. So, but I tried to like make friends with that itchiness because I finished a big job, and then I was like totally freaked out and like crawling out of my skin just with not having anything to do, and yeah. I thought that's probably something you should, in general, in life as a person, try and make friends with. So do you feel like at this like sitting here today, you kind of like if you're fine with not necessarily having the next thing the yeah, day after, or you can spend I'm, a couple months yeah. living? Yes, absolutely. That sounds great. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to it. this play. We've been doing since May, and it's you know it's been a big job, and yeah. I think in January it'll be nice to see friends and you know I mean live life and yeah. Do you yeah. find in the run of a play like this? Um, like, are you able to live a life? Do you feel like you're living like a normal a little, life? Like, what's like, what's the, yeah. what's the, like, what was the day before you got here today? Today, I woke up and made some tacos with my girlfriend. We do Blue Apron. Uh, yes, you know I've done Blue it. Apron? I've yeah. done it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they had a mushroom, ta- mushroom mole taco. Nice. She was feeling kind of sick today, so I did the heavy lifting. I cut the kale into ribbons, <laughs> matchstick the radishes. Wow, you're impressive. You grill the uh, mushrooms and then you dump this, uh, what is it? It was like a mole powder. Nice. You toss them in there to integrate. Yeah, I've never. Do you do you right. cook generally? Have you cooked before? No, Blue Apron? that's why I'm really. I mean, I we are not I sponsored by Blue Apron, cook, but we will be soon because yeah, I've, I this is be. a huge like starter <laughs> yeah. for me. Oh well, did you ever use it? That's what I'm saying. I've done it a few times, a few times and, yeah. and this is this it's is big, right? I mean, I it's, mean, it's quite an accomplishment right. you feel yeah. at the end. Absolutely, and it also. I mean, I've repeated recipes. You know, like if I, if one was really good, I'll go and buy the stuff. Oh, and I haven't gone to that level. That's crazy. That's a good level because you just. I've now I'm not so daunted by the idea of. I mean, I used to not even know what to, where to start. Literally, you know? yeah. Now I think I could just like put some olive oil and some like a shallot, right. and garlic <laughs> in a pan and fry that, and then find some other thing to build. You're self sufficient. Yeah, you're, you know, you're, you're, this is a sign of adulthood. I think. Yeah, it's, unfortunately, it's I'm like ten it. years older than you, and I still haven't gotten. <laughs> but it's a good feeling, right? I mean, you really amazing. Feel good, and it's tasty. Okay, so let's see. You made the breakfast tacos. Yeah, we did that. 
and um, watched like three episodes. She wasn't feeling good. I was like, let's watch something light okay. before I go to work that we don't have to pay too much attention to. So we put Baby Daddy on. Baby Daddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, wait, the Amy Poehler? No, no, no. No, that's oh, Baby Mama. Baby Mama. Oh, yeah. yeah it's a TV series. I, a I don't know. It's a TV series no. that <laughs> Kieran got me into. It's just you just watch it and, you know... The, yeah, time just melts away. What happens in it? You just go to another planet with these people. They're just cooking up this really <laughs> <laughs> insane tone. Actually, we watch it. Um, we have a game, me and Kieran and Tavi, uh-huh. on our days off where we'll watch Baby Daddy, and it's bizarre, this game. because uh-huh. So you put on Baby Daddy, and then when you're not allowed to laugh. Okay. So it's <laughs> the three of us quietly <laughs> watching the TV with this bizarre tone, this comedy. Mm-hmm. It's and meant to be funny. Yes, it's okay, comedy. Good. It's a multicam okay. sitcom. Okay, good, good, good. And we're all just staring at it, <laughs> stifling laugh. And then if you laugh, you get your hands slapped by oh, the other two. So it's, it's great. It cooks up a weird atmosphere. <laughs> so so we did that today. Three episodes of Baby Daddy. Yeah, and then what else? I don't know. I played piano and just killed time waiting to get picked up and come and do this. Nice. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so speaking of, of like, the, the music side of things, this this made some news a couple months ago or a little while ago when, like, this yeah, album seemingly dropped out of yeah. nowhere. So what was the was the plan to... Do you always want to share it with kind of the world at large, or no, were you wrestling no. with that kind and of... No, not like, even wrestling. I just never... It never occurred to me. I would always send it to friends, my songs, and get validation that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I really liked doing it, and, yeah. you know, I liked sharing it with people. And, yeah, and then I was just bored one day... I had nothing to do, and so I made a Bandcamp page. I don't even know why it occurred to me. Yeah. Because someone I admire had made one. So I thought, okay, yeah, I'll do that too. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then, yeah, now people... People know and people seem to like that's it. Cool. That's yeah. nice, right? Yeah, it's it's cool. I mean, that's yeah. Well, I mean, what's is there is there ambition attached to that, or is it more of just something that no. you're you're expressing yourself, you're enjoying it, and like what comes of it comes of it? But it's not like yeah. I'm trying. You're not trying no, to be J Lo. I don't think I'll have a career or something <laughs> with it. No, no, no. But I don't. I, don't uh, I think that would also kind of take away the fun of it. Yeah. I mean, I really so just like some kind of like expectation on yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, then it would not be mine anymore or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like played music when I was thirteen with a friend, and it's like just so fun. It's so fun to play with friends. Yeah, and, yeah, it's a good thing to have. So, in I'm not sure how much time we have left, but yeah. like, let's talk a little bit background wise. So, when you were, when you were a kid, and you because you've been acting pretty much your entire life, adult yeah, or childhood yeah. life, yeah. was was it always in, in? Did you derive the same kind of enjoyment the first kind of times you were in front of a camera? Was it weird? Was it awesome? Was it scary? What, what do you remember the first times you kind of got in front of a camera? Um, was it a rush? Was it just sort of like... Yeah, yeah. I th- I remember actually the... So I the, one of the first jobs I did was this TV show in Canada mm-hmm. called I Was a Sixth Grade Alien. Sure. And I think it aired here on uh, ABC Family. Okay. So, and then, yeah, but it was like a bunch of other kids. It was like kids my age, more or less. I was like 10. Okay. And they were like, we were like 10 to 12, you know, which is a big difference. You know, that's like, that's quite a... It's worlds at that point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, and it was like a handful of kids, and we did two seasons of it, but I remember the first day being, like, really... It was intense. It was like the first day at a new school or something, you know? And then we all became friends, and that I, maybe that's why I'm still working, because it was really fun, and, yeah. and it took away any... It was just, you know, hanging out, having fun with kids, and we all were in school together. Yeah. Um, you know, like, during in between scenes, you do, you know, school, and... Yeah, that was just great. I don't know, that... That kind of eased me into it, I guess, into being on set and that becoming kind of normal. 
you, and you, even the crew being you know sure. friends and stuff. You've talked to before, I know about like, and you're you're not alone in this. How Ghostbusters was a big influence. Yeah. We talked about. I've got the Ghostbusters two Vigo poster here. Yes. I'm a big fan yes. myself. Right, Thoughts on Ghostbusters two? What do you think? Oh, this is con- Ghostbusters two. It's a controversial subject. There are some people that. Yeah. I can tell you what I think. I want to hear what you There's think. There's not a first. subtitle, right? No, it's just Ghostbusters two. It's yeah. not like. The Revenge. Secret of the Ooze. No, that's... T- yeah. That would be really fitting. <laughs> it would have worked for Ghostbusters that too. <laughs> the Secret of the Other Ooze. <laughs> <laughs> or the Dancing Toaster. Yeah. The most infamous scene. Uh, right. What do you think? Is it a decent movie, or is it just... Um, I don't really remember it so well. Okay. I remember it not clicking with me as much as the first one. It's a tough act to follow. Yeah, it's a tough act to follow. And it's a little self-aware... Like, they're singing the Ghostbusters song in Ghostbusters 2, right? Right. Yeah, I watched, like, the beginning of it recently, and one of those early scenes is, like, they're going to a, like, a, a birthday, birthday party. party. Yeah, right. right, right, right. And then they sing the song. So I guess they're trying to have fun out. with, yeah, exactly. I guess, the, maybe I'm too hard on it. Maybe I should watch it again. Uh, it's got uh, Peter McNichol in it, I always defend. is amazing. Who's he? Uh, he's uh, Janusz, the... Um, yes. The, oh, he's great. That's that guy's name? Yeah. He's great. He's, he's a really good actor. an amazing actor, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So was... Cause you that can't one, trust a word he says. No. Exactly. <laughs> Because that movie came out before you were even born, Ghostbusters. So you just yeah. encountered it like what just on on oh, well, VHS actually, or DVD or I, I had it. We had it on VHS. Yeah. Um. And but actually, I think I my my entry into Ghostbusters was the real Ghostbusters, the cartoon. Oh sure. And then I had the toys because that was right around when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like nineties. Yeah. It came on and with Lorenzo music. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was my intro to it. And then the movie, and then it was just, I just fed on it. My memory of the, was the cartoon, correct me if I'm wrong, was that one of those things where they couldn't license, they didn't license the, the faces, like it didn't look like the gods Yeah, not particularly, like um, Egon had blonde hair in it for some right. reason. Right, that was going through his, a different phase for him apparently. Yeah, <laughs> strange, <laughs> bleaching his hair. Um, recapture something. Was that was that a, a big moment to get to work with Harold? You got to work with him, yeah, obviously, on your one. Yeah, a gigantic moment. Yeah. What are your memories of, of him as just a filmmaker and as a collaborator on that set? I just remember any time... Well, he was always just so kind yeah. and incredibly spiritual and beautiful. He was always saying very inspirational and wise things. Yeah. And, you know, like addressing the group you know like you'd make an announcement at dinner or something and, nice. and you'd just be like wow I can't believe I'm here and I'm with him yeah. and I remember you know David Cross at one point saying I keep having this moment like wow that's Harold Ramis and I never saw David become so I don't know genuine yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 so earnest yeah totally and I knew I mean I know that he, I knew he had that but he doesn't show it really that right. and then it was like yeah I totally know what you mean <laughs> this is amazing who else who else makes you feel that way who else in the presence of do you suddenly um, go into kowtowing kind of like oh my god appreciation yeah I mean not not many people that I'm you know that I know intimately yeah. but I don't know Larry David came and saw the show um, because he's working with Anna Shapiro who directed This Is Our Youth yeah so he came and saw it, and we got to talk to him for like five minutes, and I just had no idea how to... I mean, I there was there, I don't think it would be the right thing to just to sort of gush to convey yeah. my appreciation for him and how much he means to me. Was he was he in full was he in full Larry David when you were talking to him? Like, did it, you feel like he, he was totally cool? Yeah, I mean, he's just he seemed very he was very kind about the show, and he was I, I don't know I think he felt like he wasn't really in his element right. which is how I would feel if I was going backstage and kind of yeah. talking to people and if you're him where everyone 
just loves you and you just mean the world to everyone you meet. That must be weird. Right. But I thought he handled that very gracefully. I mean, he was right. just very kind and he was kind of funny and laughing. And I got to see easy. literally just like a week ago. At, it was yeah. at this like this benefit thing for this organization called NRDC, and he did some stand up. Oh, really? Like I don't think he's done stand up in like twenty years. That's and he great. was Amazing. Really? Yes, he was amazing. I mean, of course. I just, <laughs> my driver, uh, who who's picks me up after the show now, is driving him too. <laughs> Uh, he's got a good so I, gig. Yeah, right? Isn't that great? <laughs> so I get to hear some of the things he says, and it sounds... I mean, he just is that. Yeah. I mean, every conversation sounds like a George Costanza. Totally. <laughs> he was asking if I sign autographs after the show. He's like, does he... What does he do? Stand out there? Five, ten minutes? <laughs> I think he's trying to gauge <laughs> what's appropriate. Yeah, what's like because I understand. Things. What's the I minimum I can get away with? Yeah, people, exactly. I'm a dick. Like he's already thinking about that, which is definitely something he's going to have to figure out. <laughs> Five, ten, not all of them. Not, not all. We good here, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you talk about like yeah, like the experience he has. Yeah, he's beloved. He goes somewhere and like you feel that. He's the king. I mean, but you, you get probably a fair amount of that yourself, and that's probably something that takes some getting used to. I mean, I know you've talked about like. Like how it kind of went from zero to sixty around super bad because mm-hmm. suddenly yeah that was bizarre nobody yeah. knows you and then the next day it seemed yeah. like I mean give me a sense of what what did that feel like at the time and totally. was there any good side of it or did it all feel like oh shit uh, like what if I got myself in well I really liked the movie yeah. and, and I I mean I was having fun when we were promoting it it, it yeah I mean it wasn't all bad yeah um, I liked that people liked it you know that was nice and that people were seeing it. It was just, it's just so, I mean, it's just, you're, you're, I mean, it's, you can't even really, like, classify it as good or bad. It's just right. so different. You're just all of a sudden in such a different situation, and really, really suddenly. That's what's shocking about it. It's like, it, I re, re, like the day it came out, I was walking to, uh, on a block, and there were, like, I don't know, six people I passed, and they all, like, knew who I was. It was, like, out of a movie. I mean, it was really, like... Like a like you're like a wanted. Yeah, I was gonna say you're like a fugitive like, yeah, on the run. Yeah, it was really scary. <laughs> there he is, and they're gonna yeah. all start running after you on the street. <laughs> yeah, and it's not that it's negative. I mean, no right. one, no one really ever is unkind. Yeah. But yeah. still, it's that's it's just different. It's just really so different. What's been the coping mechanism? What's because it feels like I feel like you've I don't know if anyone ever figures it out, but you clearly you seem fine yeah, <laughs> like sitting yeah. here you and like have to be. I mean, I don't know. You just you 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 just kind of like go into survival mode when something is thrown at you that you have to figure out. It took me a while to, like, shed some uh, extreme n- nerves yeah. that came with that. But I think, I don't know, it's also an age thing. I was, like, 19 when that happened, so that's a weird age yeah. in general. Yeah. And that's that was, yeah, you compound that with this strange phenomenon. And the other thing is that you can't even relate to the people that are, I don't know, coming up to you about the phenomenon of it. Right. <laughs> you know, you can't right. be like, isn't this weird? Because yeah. <laughs> they're in this real mode. This is they, a moment for them. This is going to yeah, be the story they well, tell everybody else. Yes, and people aren't themselves when they're, I don't know, overwhelmed or, yeah. or you know, and they... And it's a window, a closing window for them, so they're, it's, it's charged. Yeah, it's know? back to that crazy yeah. correspondent that's at 300%. Yeah, you f- kind of forget yourself. So what's, yeah. your, what's your idea, like, what's your go-to in terms of encountering a fan and kind of, like, get, getting, mm-hmm. making them happy, getting through unscathed for yourself, and kind of everybody I wins? Know. I guess the most helpful thing for me has been not getting panicked yeah. by it and not trying to fight it. That's, you know, just, I mean, you can only really change yourself yeah if you have a if there's some something that's not working <laughs> I mean, right. you know I just yeah I, I don't know it's just relaxing though I mean yeah. I, you know I think hopefully kind of relax as you get older are you uh, 
Are you looking to direct a, a feature? I mean, I've been watching some of the other stuff on Jash and stuff, and you obviously directed some cool, strange, odd shorts. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Is that something um, that, that, again, is something that is sort of, if it makes you happy and it seems like the right idea, do it? Or is yeah, there an ambition I mean, to do something more? Well, I don't have a, a thing I'm pursuing right now, but that would be great to someday do it. But I wouldn't also just want to do it just to do it and then make something that yeah. is not good. Yeah. I would only want to do it if I felt I knew what I was making and I liked it. It was a movie I would like Yeah. if I could do it, you know. Is there relief that, because I felt for about two years, every time I saw you, I would ask you about Arrested Development, and not to mention every other cast member. Yeah, that's and true. It must be a, a relief that A, it happened, and B, <laughs> you got to be a part of the writing staff, which is so yeah, cool. That was great. Um, yeah. And I get Mitch, have you talked to Mitch? I mean, he's talking about, he mentioned in some interview recently about he that wants gonna, to re edit it, right? Yes, he's going to like chronologize. What do you episodes. think? I think it's going to be really hard to do, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, while we were writing, there's a, there's a guy called Richie Rosenstock who's who's one of the big voices of the show from the beginning, and that was his um, prediction the whole time. While we were making it, even, oh, really? he said, "I think that in the edit, Mitchell actually end up rearranging it all and, and making it chronological." But I thought, "How can you do that?" I still don't understand. Well, it I don't know how it. you guys managed in the first place. That's a, that's like nine yeah. dimensional chess that you guys were it's able just to. A big, yeah, that's just crazy. A big. Mess. But, I mean, but <laughs> it's a beautiful mess. Yeah, I mean, it's. Yeah. I, I have no idea how he kept all that straight. Yeah, Mitch, and he kept his cool beautifully. Yeah, through it. And but this will be interesting. I think I'm. I'm curious to watch him and see how it feels. Totally. Yeah. Um. Uh, we heard the knock, so we know you have a, a show to get uh, oh, yeah, tonight. Right, um, do. <laughs> <laughs> um. Thanks for stopping yeah. by, though, man. Right, it's always good to okay. see you. And yeah, congrats thank on the you. show. Yeah. Next time we'll like. Do a shot before and oh, it, get wild. You weren't doing shots. I've been every time you turn away. I've been. You have a little absinthe. I mean, what do, I, what do you do a shot of? What's I took a little popper in the car. So <laughs> <laughs> you call him the popper? <laughs> yeah. Just okay. Get back into your car. Your Larry David driver's waiting. Yeah. For you. Thank you. That's <laughs> good man. Thanks, man. Hello, awesome, happy, sad, confused listener. Help happy, sad, confused stay free to download by completing this short anonymous survey. This is a small ask, guys. It's only going to take less than five minutes of your time, guaranteed. Your answers will help us match our show with advertisers that best fit the sensibilities of our podcast and its listeners like you. Listeners who complete the survey will be entered in an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. See, there are no losers here, guys. We promise not to share or sell your email address, and we're not going to send you an email unless you win that awesome gift card. So please go to podsurvey.com slash happy. That's podsurvey.com slash happy. Take our survey and get a chance to win that $100 Amazon gift card. What are you waiting for? Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.